0: It all started from trying to figure out, okay, what is my purpose in life? It seemed like it was almost 10 years where I was trying to figure out where am I going to go? What am I going to do? I help men by teaching them everything that I learned through the last 25 years about sex, sexuality, and how to perform to your utmost potential in the bedroom. We need to have belief, especially in ourselves, in our manhood. Like Belief trumps everything. It's something I talk about where I say irrational belief. Because if you have a rational belief, then you can really make some things happen. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and
1: manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to the Sovereign Man podcast, where we aim to make men masculine again. I'm your man, Nikki Ballou. We have a very special guest for you today, Eric Everhart. Welcome to the show, Eric.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, Nikki.
1: Man, it's a pleasure and an honor to have you here. You know, um, our mutual friend, Paul from the uh, Common Man podcast uh, was posting about you and started (laughs) to say some things which really caught my eye. And I said, this dude sounds like he's somebody I could learn a lot from. So I said, man, would you connect me with Eric? I'd like to interview him. And that's why you're here. So God bless Paul for doing that. God bless you for being here. So brother, you have a very interesting background. And I think you've got a lot to teach the, the men who listen to this episode. So why don't you start by telling folks who you are and tell us your backstory.
0: All right. Well, my name is Eric Everhard. I'm an author, men's coach, and a former professional porn star. And now what I do is I help men by teaching them everything that I learned through the last 25 years about sex, sexuality, and how to perform to your utmost potential in the bedroom. So that's a little bit about me and and kind of what I do, right? And, you know, it's interesting when we think about backstory because it's like, okay, well, how did I get here, right? And I always think it's also sort of useful when people understand where I came from in terms of where they can go. You know, like uh, you may not know this, Nikki, but I was the fattest kid in my school growing up. I was a fat kid, picked last for sports, you name it, right? And then uh, high school, got on the football team, lost all the weight, discovered bodybuilding, got a six-pack. So everything, you know, nothing was handed to me. I mean, this was a a, a grind from even my early youth. So the porno thing happened, actually. Uh, I was a student at the time going to massage therapy school. So I was going to massage therapy school in uh, Vancouver, Canada, And on lunch break, you know, we would go have lunch, right? There was a little cafeteria room. So I grabbed my lunch and they had a local newspaper there. This one was called the Georgia Strait. And so I go grab a copy of the newspaper, sit, and I'm reading what's on with the band listings in town. What's new? You know, it's one of those kind of rag, rag newspapers. So I'm reading this newspaper, flip the page and bam, there's this four inch by four inch ad looking for women and couples to do a porno movie now meanwhile this is 1997 so i'm just like shock and awe looking at this thing right and um i had an ex-girlfriend of mine who used to joke she used to say oh you know you're you're well hung you could do porno i'm like "Yeah, yeah yeah thanks sweetheart you know because any girl that we're with that's in love with us is going to totally blow smoke up our ass, right? Like that's how it is. So I took it with a very huge grain of salt, right? But I saw this advertisement and it just triggered something in me. And I said, you know what? I'm going to call them, right? So I got up the courage, gave them a call. And sure enough, they hung up on me, right? Which I understand now after all the time that I spent in the business, I, I definitely understand it because... Back at that time, you know this predates Viagra. This predates any sort of performance enhancing drugs that young kids are you know on today, and that's something I want to touch on about the problems with young men too, um, because that stuff has now become rampant. but back then it was it was such a binary experience you could either do it or you couldn't there was there was nothing in between so I understood afterwards, once I got in the business, why they hung up on me because they they had tried, you know, tons of guys. Everybody failed. I would say it's, you know, back then probably success rates were 1%, maybe 0.5. It wasn't high, right? And so they hung up on me. Anyways, time goes by. Seven months goes by. Same scenario. Go to the cafeteria, eat my food open the newspaper, bam, there's that ad again, right? I'm like, oh my God, okay. This this ad is just now mocking me, Nikki. So I, um, I, I thought about it and I said, I'm going to put in some more work than just one phone call, right? So I called, I called, I called. And um, one day I got the owner of the company on the phone and he said, tell you what, come on down to our studio. We'll take some Polaroids, see if you got the equipment to do the job. And maybe one day we could get you a job. And I said, okay, well, you know, something is better than nothing, right? So I traveled down to where they had their studio. It was in East Vancouver in this kind of shady area of town. Walked up these stairs, big metal door, knocked on the door. And they opened the door and they say, hey, are you Mitch? Because that's my real name. And I say, yeah. And they just look me straight in the eye, Nikki. And they just say, Can you fuck a girl for us right now? And I was like, I'm I'm 21 years old, right? I mean, I I just, I let out this little squeak of a, uh, yep. And that was it, man. I'd say 15 minutes later, 20 minutes later, I was doing my first scene. Wow. Yeah. Well, what was that like for you, man? Well, it was, it was fascinating. And I've recently taken a lot of lessons away from that that I do try to give men um, is something I've really been harping on lately, which is belief. You know, we, we need to have belief, especially in ourselves, in our manhood, like belief trumps everything. it's something I talk about where I say irrational belief, because if you have a rational belief, then you can really make some things happen, but you gotta, you gotta set things up in a way that give you verifiable proof to get that belief. Um, and it was, it was just fascinating because, for, you know, the first time, yeah, I was a little nervous, but uh, I had no issues. And part of why I had no issues was it wasn't on my map of experience that it could happen. It wasn't on my map of experience, you know. I mean, I, at that point, you know, what, I'd probably been masturbating for 10 years. Guess what my track record was, Nikki? thousand percent. Thousand percent. Like I didn't even have it on my map of reality that I that you you would struggle, that you could struggle. It wasn't there. So when I got into that situation, I was able to overcome it, even though, like I said, new situation, a little nervous, but it it was easy. And I didn't realize until later because later they told me because, you know, finish the scene. I left. They gave me a little bit of money. I was like, "Oh my god, this was more than I made at my security job at the time." Uh, and I went home, and I I literally thought, "Well, this will just be a cool story when I'm at the poker table at the old folks' home, right?" Like I can tell the guys, like, "Hey, you know, one day I did a porn movie, right?" And um, yeah, three days later, they called me up, and they're like, "Hey, can you come by? Can you do that again?" And it was only later that I found out I was the only guy that had come by that had been able to do it. And so, what I try to do now, especially with the men that I work with, is I, I deconstruct everything that I've learned along the way and everything that I think is practically useful. Because, you know, I, I deal in real world stuff that, in my opinion, works. I've done it, you know, I've walked the walk. I don't just go out there talking the talk, like I've done this. And, and I think that when guys understand that there are things that they can do, to be able to get hard when they've got anxiety, when things aren't going so well, when they learn, hey, you know what? I have tools in my tool belt to be able to last, you know, even though I'm feeling the urge to ejaculate, but I can I can do things, right? When they understand, oh, well, now I know how to read a woman's body. I, I know what her body is telling me, so it's easy for me to give her an orgasm. I'm not guessing. Like, I'm confident, and I'm executing because – I have competence like i can read these things and their physical cues and i can see them you know so that's kind of what i try to give guys from from my experience
1: i want to get into all that but before we get into that i'd like to i'd like to take the conversation a bit of a different direction for a moment sure so there is so much availability of porn today that wasn't the case back, you know, I'm 56. I don't know how old you are, but when I was
0: 46, like,
1: yes. yeah, 46. So you were not too far apart back no. in the day, it wasn't so available. So like you had to, um, buy a porno tape or rent a porno tape or a DVD. If you went into the store, I mean, uh, there'd, there'd be a bit of hanging your head in shame type of thing.
0: Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah old ladies you you go into that back room and it had the saloon doors oh my
1: god like that's just all of that like even talking about that i feel a little nervous right now you know and back then my take on porn was i was a horny man i wasn't getting any so you know what the hell let's get some porn and let's jerk off yeah today it's different porn is ubiquitous i mean on a cell phone a 12 year old can access ten thousand free images of pornography. And there's also been um, a lot of talk out there. And uh, I, I, I'm sure you've heard some of this talk that some of the folks that are participating in porn these days are not doing so voluntarily. They've been forced. They're participating in sex slavery. Uh, you know, there's the the movie that came out. I just saw it, um, The Sound of Freedom uh, with Jim Caviezel and things like that. And I'm wondering if you could deconstruct that time with this time. And oh yeah. For, for folks who are, you know, who are like listening to this with all the stigma that's associated with with people even consuming porn, um, I, I'd love to get your thoughts. That's one of the reasons I was fascinated to speak to you because I want I, w- I want to hear your perspective. I want to learn from you, and I want to learn how how to talk this through, think this through for my own benefit.
0: Yeah. No, 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 no. This is a good, good conversation topic because even for me over, over my career, my thoughts on porno have changed. Right. And that's also because porno itself has changed. And that's something that I want to talk about. And that's something that you alluded to, right? It's like, think back to when, you know, we were kids. It was, first of all, the quality of the sex was very vanilla in, in terms of the material relative to now, because now we've gone through a, a it's a, almost like a hockey stick of how the material is presented, right? Which I don't know if it's the chicken or the egg in this scenario, because the thing with the companies, right? In, from the company's perspective, they just want to make money. Like I know these guys, and it's gotten worse over the last 15 years, because everything now is a monopoly, pretty much. Like, you used to have, when I got in the business, you had, everything was a mom and pop, almost. You know, it was like, the guy owning the company, he shot the stuff, he had his warehouse, he did distributed the VHS tapes, like, they were very much mom and pop operations. Now, it's all hedge funds and big CEOs, and they... Th- they're so far removed from producing the material. All they care about is what's what's my bottom line, and how much money am I making, right? And so that's one part of it, right? Where now, well, let me take it back a second. So, so we've got that. Different technologies have also shaped what we got to deal with now, because you know, back in back in the day when I was a kid you know it was VHS right hard to get your hands on you know you had to like you said you had to go rent it or or you lucked out and somebody had a VHS tape um then we went to the DVD era and then of course the the internet broke out um and then the the real piece was the tube sites which then it was free you know once it went to the tube sites it it really became a a free for all now That's difficult because the problem, especially that I'm seeing, and I'm sure you are too, is now young guys are getting their dopamines being maxed out. I mean, let's forget for a second just what we got to deal with on a daily basis with the cell phones, the Instagram, all the notifications, all that stuff that's dealing us hits and hits to our dopamine. But now you've got this porno. And it's not like, Hey, I have my one VHS tape that I watch over and over, right? It's, you got millions of images, click, 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 click over and over and over. So these young guys are getting exposed nonstop, nonstop. And because of that, you know, that dopamine being depleted, they need harder and harder stuff to get to keep interested. And so that's where I say, well, I don't know if it's the chicken or the egg because I think part of why these companies are doing harder and harder stuff is because it's what sells, bottom line, right? Like the companies are really just, they, all they care about is what is their bottom line. So if it's harder sex and that's what these guys want to see. But I remember, you know, we're going way back, but I remember the first conventions I went to, it was, it was less... Um, hardcore than it is now, right? Now, I, I mean, they've pushed it so far in terms of the porno that they can create. And, you know, that's also because of, of the drugs that entered the business too. So it's a culmination of the drugs and then what these, what these fans want to see and so that's really pushing the envelope as far as, you know, what these people are creating. And I don't know how you put the genie back in the bottle, because the problem also is now porn is so fractured. And so what you're talking about there, so to, to speak to, um, like, just to touch on the sex slavery stuff, in, in quote-unquote mainstream porno, nothing like that ever happened. But mainstream porno, especially back in the day, were these companies that all sold their movies to the stores. Like, it was very much a semi-regulated space, you know? You you had your office, you had your warehouse. I mean, if the feds wanted to mess with you, they knew exactly where to go and where to get you, right? So when when the companies, at least back in that time, you know, 20-something years ago, I mean all companies towed the line to the nth degree. Like there was, a, there was a list. It was an informal list that a bunch of lawyers had given all the companies what you could and could not shoot. And everybody followed it religiously because nobody wanted the feds to come knocking on their door. That's how it was. Now, yeah, all that's out the window because it's, now it's the internet, you know. And now I think what's even worse is you got the, the rise of the OnlyFans, and that is that is the new you know so it's we've gone from vhs to dvd to internet to um these tube sites now it's only fans and that is now the new the new thing and and i don't see that going anywhere and that's that's bringing its own issues that not just men, but women are gonna have to deal with and confront, which they probably aren't gonna be too happy about. Yeah, so, I
1: mean, how do we make sure that sex slavery don't happen in the pornography industry?
0: Well, I mean, the only way that you can do that, right? Um, Or probably how you would be doing it is there needs to be some sort of age verification process for the people that are signing up to to watch the stuff and then you gotta you you gotta hold um these companies to account on their record keeping and i don't know how you're gonna do that anymore again this is the problem with the internet era because Um, I remember when I worked at companies and they all, they all had all their record keeping and everything was, uh, organized in files and in boxes and you had specific rooms for that stuff. And if somebody was going to come and see, okay, well, is this, was this person of age? And then you got the verification of the age and then you've got the consent videos. You have all that stuff where these are people that are saying, yeah, no, this is what I wanted to do. Um, you can, you can track it, but now how things are with worldwide internet, I, I don't know what, what the answer is to it. That's the problem.
1: Well, I'll, I'll tell you, um, you know, uh, I'm a, a man with a high libido. Um, take good care of myself. Testosterones relatively high. A beautiful woman as a girlfriend. Yeah, for much of my life, I watched uh, porn. And in mm-hmm. the internet era, I, I I continued to watch it. And I had a fellow on my show who helped men overcome porn addiction. Mm-hmm. This was a year ago. And since then, I've had like four other dudes who do that too. But he was the first guy. And he came and he talked about how he was doing this because he found out he was addicted to porn himself. And he found out that many of the young women and even the young men that were a part of this didn't want to be there. They were being forced and he couldn't sleep. Like he, he just, he couldn't sleep. He, 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 he just said, I got to do something about this. He said, I'm I'm not going to watch porn anymore, which he stopped. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to coach other men to get off of watching porn. And um, he started an organization that's all about stopping sexual slavery. This is before, You know, Sound of Freedom or any of the publicity that that movie caused came out to being. And, you know, there's a part of me that goes, you know, if there's consenting adults on film, have at it, man. All good. You know, in a free society, it should be good. I mean, I'm at an age right now where uh, I don't have daughters. But if I had daughters, I I definitely don't want them to go in that direction, right, to get themselves on the uh, on a porno movie and you know i've got i've got two beautiful very young nieces and and like you know, my brother and his wife they're they're good parents and i'm just like man do everything in your power keep them away from that kind of temptation as much as you can but um it, it, it's a question that i wrestle with because there's a part of me that's like yeah we don't want sexual slavery we don't want kids being exploited so yeah let's stay away from that and another part of me goes you know it's a free society and if two people want to enjoy an erotic film or a hardcore film as long as everyone involved is of age and consenting it should be allowed you know what i'm trying to say
0: yeah yeah Maybe no it's and it's something and,
1: i've resolved in my own head <laughs>
0: yeah. well no and it's 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 interesting right because you know in 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 the time that i was in the in the porn business right um outside of a couple agencies that that definitely did shady stuff, um, the companies that I worked for never did anything shady because, like I said, they, they're there's so much risk, right? So, you know, in terms of, again, that's why I call it mainstream, but mainstream porno, um, things like that never happened. The interesting thing that you kind of brought up that I think is important, right, because when we talk about, okay, well, how how do we prevent, you know, people from going down this path, like path of temptation or whatever. And really that in my experience is all about parenting full stop. It Um, is. I mean, no, I I mean, it's cliche, but it is true. Um, I would say there's not a girl in the porn business that doesn't have a bad relationship with her father. Not one. I believe it. I like it's, believe it. it's, it's, it is, that is very much, um, a theme, right? In terms of the women. Um, and I've seen it over and over. Right. So, you know, if you're trying to avoid these things, you know I mean? I, if I was to talk to somebody, would be like, well, you know, spend some time with your daughter, right? Like, be there more than just some sort of figurehead because that is definitely the number one thing that I've seen that that seems to drive these women because then they're looking for attention they're not getting it from dad they're going to get it from some other guys right and what what better attention than you're on set everybody's telling you're beautiful you get these fans you get a hundred thousand followers all the followers tell you you're beautiful right that's 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 addicting in itself. So yeah, I mean that's that's one of the things that I've seen that that is definitely a calm and common theme. And you know, that just comes back to, you know, what are what are parents doing? And and even in terms of like you're saying about the the porn stuff. I mean, you know, you were talking about 12 year olds, Christ, seven year old give him an iPhone, he's got the porno, right? In any age kid, they get a hold of one of those iPhones, you've got the whole world at your fingertips. So, and and not good, man. It's not good. And and until, but but that's what I mean. Until somebody, and and I don't see any of these companies because even you know if we go big picture, right? I mean, uh, Visa, Mastercard, they're making their money too. Let's not forget because they're the ones processing all the stuff. So, everybody's got their little hand in it in some way. Um, you know, cause there's a lot of money. I mean, God, it, it, they just released, um, the stats on, on OnlyFans. You know what they took in last year? Yep. No. $5 billion. Shiza, $5 billion with a B. With a B baby. With a B. Right. I think the CEO, he got a payout of 330 million, if I'm correct. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, and that's the thing, you know, and it's, it's all women on there, right? They're, they're busy making their money. So, uh, you know, until you have some sort of way to prevent people, you know, where they need real age verification to do these things, you know, because it's like, even on websites, it says, Oh, I'm over 18 click. Yes. Well, Six-year-old clicks yes too, right? We can all click yes. Yes, I'm old enough. Let me in, and and that's not effective. So you gotta, you gotta have something where, you know, there's there's real ID, you know, whether that's blockchain technology or what What have you. But you gotta have something.
1: I was about to say that's where it's at. I mean, look, I was on Binance, right? Mm -hmm. With KYC laws, know your customer. I had to go through hoops. To get access to freaking Binance, brother. It didn't yeah. happen immediately. It took a while. They should do the same. I mean. I mean yeah. $330 I, million dollar payout. $5 billion. Now, there's there's movie stars that are on OnlyFans. Like oh, yeah. Like the girl who was on um, Baywatch, Donna Derrico.
0: Oh, my you know, God. She's on there, too. Jesus. She's
1: on OnlyFans, dude. And I love Donna Derrico. I mean, she's a lovely lady. And I and I just like when when I found that out, I'm like, oh, Donna, I'm sorry. But maybe she's not sorry because she's making money because dumbasses are paying money to see her. I don't know how much she's doing on OnlyFans. Well,
0: but, I, I know some girls that are doing a lot. You know, yeah, six figures but, a month.
1: Yeah, I believe that. But I mean. What do they have to do to do that six figures a month? Is it like hardcore, hardcore stuff on OnlyFans? Or are they doing, I, I no, don't know. No, they're
0: doing whatever they want. And it depends on, on the, the lady, right? Um, so some of them are just doing, you know, solo nude stuff. Some are, are doing hardcore stuff. I mean, you know, so I understand it from their perspective, they're, they're in charge of it. Yeah. You know, um, but it, it's certainly not helping men. Because now, you know, rather than guys working on themselves, like, look, now we got this generation of kids where they're lost. And, and now they're just giving five bucks to some, to some chick on OnlyFans every month. Why aren't they investing that in themselves?
1: Hey, brother, amen. I mean, that's why Sovereign Man exists, because of the generation of lost men. You, know, um, you, you remember that uh, that novel, The Lost Boys, right? And mm-hmm. uh, we are we exist today to help the lost men of today learn what it is to be a man. The epidemic of fatherlessness that the communists unleash on the West in 1917, um, Vladimir Lenin and his cohorts managed to turn Russia into the world's first communist nation state. And their objective was to make the world communist, right? And they realized that the only thing standing in their way was the West, specifically the United States, whom they called the main adversary. So what they decided to do was launch a multi-generational effort to weaken the West from within and have communism win. And this involved sending their most Uh, cunning and brilliant operative to the West, a German communist named Willy Münzenberg. Willie's job was to start weakening Western institutions. He started with schools, um, academia, uh, newspapers, media, storytelling, Hollywood. And it took a few generations, but he took them from being pro-Western, pro-American to what they are now, which is not any of those things. And a part of that strategy Uh, was to weaken the family. And the way that they were going to weaken the family was to turn men and women against each other. So the feminist movement was not about, hey, the patriarchy's been putting women down, because that's a lot of crap. It's a load of crap. okay? Men and women have had roles to play for centuries. And there's a reason for that. And, you know, God made men a certain way. God made women a certain way. And there's a reason that happened. And, Part of the nature of of women, though, is that, you know, there's amazing things about women, but there's also horrible things about women that if you start to inflame the part of them that gets angry, they stay mad, they hold grudges, and Mm -hmm. they use this to inflame a whole generation of women against men. And the men, being actually honorable men, they said, okay, well, we must have done something wrong. So they didn't take a stand. And now... The very idea of masculinity has been degraded, and young women today have no idea what it means to be a woman. They think that all the crap the feminazi movement shoved down their throats is real, and it's not. Do you know how many 60-year-old women there are today, Eric, that don't have kids and are absolutely devastated that they bought into that feminazi lie?
0: Oh, I can imagine. It's huge.
1: Dude, it it is insane. So I'm in my 50s, my lady's in her 50s and she never had a kid and for a variety of reasons I'm telling you it's her biggest fucking regret. Yeah. Her biggest regret. She's set world records, she's, you know, she's like a she's an author, she's like coached uh 12,000 people. She's she was a performance coach for Anthony Robbins, right? 12,000 Hours plus of coaching. This is not uh, a woman who lacks uh, accomplishments and credentials. Yeah. And the one thing right now is, I I wish I'd had a a daughter. That's what she wanted. I wish I'd had more than one daughter, a couple of daughters. And I believe very strongly that we're starting to wake up to what was done to us, but it's going to take a while to get enough young men and women to understand this, so that we throw off uh, these chains and do something powerful about it. And I really appreciate Eric, you taking the time to think through your answers because what you said, I think is bang on.
0: Yeah. yeah I mean, and we, when we look at like, look at what's going on, you know, in terms of Western culture, I mean, it all comes back down to the media. Because the media is the gatekeeper, and what do people listen to? You know, it's like I was I was you know recently back home to Canada, right, because I live in Eastern Europe, and um, oh you're a Canadian, eh? So, yeah, so yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah I live in Toronto. Oh, nice, okay, uh, Calgary, Alberta, right? There you go. And um, but it was funny because, you know, okay, I live over here, and here things are very different, and even going being exposed to news over here then getting exposed to what you know she cuz she just turns on the TV and it's just you know the the propaganda just coming in all day long and and I'm listening to this stuff and it's like okay I I understand why the groups of people think the way they do because if 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 you just turn on that TV they they call it programming for a reason yes they are programming you And, and if you ever get a chance to, to really deconstruct, especially narratives, you know, and, and if you listen to certain, um, certain shows, you can see they use the exact same language, show after show, after show, after show, it's a script, it's a script designed to have you think a specific way. So it, it, like you said, it's very intentional and they're intentionally doing it, you know, towards men. And unless you can somehow convince, you know, your kids to to turn off the media, you know, it's the only thing you can do because they, if you leave them alone, and I think this is also the biggest problem, if we're going to talk sort of about the fatherlessness, but I don't think it's fatherlessness as, as much as it is parental apathy, right? Because now, what do you see? What do you see a lot of parents doing? Ah, oh, my kid's being difficult. Give them the iPad. What are you doing? I mean, there's actually, I was reading recently, um, there's actually a, a sort of screen form of autism that children can have when they're exposed to screens all day long. And I guess when you take the screen away, it reverses. But, you know, you're thinking about all the damage that you're doing to just shut up your kid rather than spending some time with them talking to them playing with them doing something just giving them the iPad like okay they, they can have the iPad I see parents do it all the time
1: it's it's so true it's so true. I've been guilty of it myself sometimes although not lately uh, and by lately I mean the last few years because I made a concerted effort to be more present with my kids both my sons play sports they're a 15 year old and a 17 year old um 15-year-old plays double-A hockey. He's a goalie. So he nice. He's uh, got a lot riding on his shoulders. Yeah. 7 17-year-old plays soccer, and um, he's really good. Uh, we are uh, working on getting a um, uh, highlight reel for him, which should be ready next week sometime. And we are putting it in the hands of some folks in Europe, uh, and we want to get him a pro tryout. So, nice. fingers crossed. Nice. Uh, these types of things, uh, thank you, these types of things help uh, young men because when they're involved in um, the camaraderie that being a part of a team, uh, which is a mini tribe of sorts entails, mm-hmm. they learn the lessons of how to be a good man, how to be a teammate, how to be reliable. And they have not been able to destroy that yet, the powers that be. And that's a beautiful thing from my point of view. So I really appreciate you taking the time to speak so thoughtfully about this. You know, outside of the work I do for men, I work with a a lot of coaches and consultants on helping them make a shit ton more money. I'm actually really good at it. I've got a really good track record. Best I did for a coach was um, eight figures. Get them to eight figures, which is pretty freaking great. More oh, wow. I've yeah. ever made, <laughs> but <laughs> um, helped helped uh, you know close to three hundred of them, and have helped to close to uh, close to ninety of them add at least six figures to you know low seven figures to their business. And I was looking at you because you know you said you coach men around this stuff, and I, I do want to get to that as part of our conversation. And I yeah, thought yeah. to myself, if I were coaching you on your branding, man. Here's what I would tell you to do. You might let, not look. let
0: me have it. Let but me let have me, it.
1: Here's what I would tell you to do. So I, I'm actually thinking of naming the episode this, but I would <laughs> create a, I would create a book and a video series called Confessions of a Former Porn Star. And bro, you know that's going to get a shit ton of eyeballs right there, right? <laughs> like right there, there's going to be a ton of people that are going to go, okay, well, what the hell is this guy talking about? So Boom and i would tell your story i would tell like you have and i would i would get thoughtful about your thoughts on some of these issues cuz everybody's going to be curious about that and i mean everybody men women all of them and from there i would gracefully twist the conversation to your main audience and their main problem and say look here's one of the reasons a lot of men are struggling is because The message they're getting from the world is having them not care about being a great lover however way we we need to i don't have the right syntax and wording right now but that's something along those lines i would get super clear on who those men were like you know what their age range is are they married you know what i mean they have kids like what do they do for a living what are their polit- political beliefs? You know, all, all of as much demographic and psychographic material as we could get on that and then create mm-hmm. some messaging around that. And I'd be hitting that hard on pod- on your own podcast, on a video channel. I'd get a book, the first book out with your story. I'd get a ton of other books out under that whole blend, Confessions with Former Porn Star, because I think it's catchy. I think it's good. And I think that could, that could get you... Next level in terms of clients, you'd be, you know, you'd be, you'd be getting calls from guys like Rogan, right? <laughs> I, mean, you know, I need Eric Kevin dude on my show, man. You, you, you know what Where's I mean? my Rogan interview? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I haven't gotten guys on Rogan, but I've gotten on guys on some pretty good platforms as a result of this. And this is what, like, everything you're telling me is you're real, you're authentic. You're, you're telling a, a, a story that is, um, A little uncomfortable for most people to hear, but also one that they just can't stay away from. So it's it's
0: just the story of my life, right? Like it's
1: uh, It's compelling. That it's It's it's, compelling.
0: It's it's the journey because you know even even starting coaching, right? Like that that whole journey started in two thousand nine. I I attended a relationship workshop that was run by this uh, Bulgarian man who's now one of my best friends and. When I was at this workshop, the guys at the workshop were talking about this thing called NLP, right? Sure. Neurolinguistic programming. And I was like, what is this? And they explained, I said, oh, okay, that could be interesting, right? So then I asked them, I said, okay, well, well where's the best place? And, and at the time, uh, they all... Uh, unanimously agreed that the, the best place was in Northern California, just outside uh, Marin County. So I was like, okay, well, I want to go to the best place. I want to learn this. And so for three years, Nikki, I was traveling from LA to Northern San Francisco and Who'd studying your study linguistic. What's that?
1: Who'd you study with? Cause I, I've, I've got my master prep and then I'll pee myself. Okay.
0: Uh, Carl Buchheit. Okay.
1: I don't know him. Um, for a while, yeah, I He speak he has he, been around Robert for. Hiltz. Did you heard of okay. Robert Kilt? Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, uh, if I'm correct, Carl's main teacher was Jonathan Rice. Okay. Right. Um. And uh. But but Carl really fascinating fascinating old guy. I mean, man, he's he's brought so many different elements into NLP. Um, specifically a lot of stuff from Burt Hellinger. If you've ever done the Burt Hellinger family constellation work, he's weaved that into, into the NLP. I mean, it's, it's, it's a quantum level sort of NLP is what he's done. Um, But it, you know, it's three years to go through everything. That's a lot. I was, and I was going up every month, every month I travel up there, spend a weekend, come back. And so, so you know, this, it's like, you go through a transformational journey of yourself. And it's it's literally like like you're an onion. And every time I went up there, it's like they peeled off another layer. Another layer of who I am, another layer, you know, some more traumas, some more anger, some more this, some more that. And when when the three years was done, like I was so disillusioned with porno, but I had no idea what my purpose in life was. I didn't know what I'm here to do, and I was just totally lost. Um, so from there, I got into working with shamanic plant medicines. So I I started working with ayahuasca. So I did oh, yeah. seven different ayahuasca journeys, and again, this was all trying to figure out, you know, okay, what what is this thing? that I'm supposed to do in life? You know, who am I supposed to be? What is my purpose here? Like these were the questions that just kept going on over and over in my mind. Um, You know, and then I was, it was really powerful that uh, one girl that I was dating at the time and she wasn't, she wasn't a porno actress, but she, she was amazed at what I was doing in the bedroom. And I remember very clear as day, she came to me and she goes, I don't know what you're doing, but that's some next level stuff you really need to write a book about it and that was what you know put that first hint of a path forward in my head and that i sat on that for a couple years and then one day i just started writing man i was just like okay i'm gonna write my my first book and and that was you know my very first book unleash your sexual superpowers um and then out of that came everything else because as I was deconstructing what I was doing and and seeing how that could help men, then everything has just grown from there. And that's what led to my one on one practice. That's what led to my online academy. That's what led to my second book and, and just on and on and on, right? But it all started it all started from me trying to figure out, okay, what is my purpose in life, right? And um I refer to it as like the lost decade because it, it seemed like it was almost ten years where I was trying to figure out where am I going to go? What am I going to do?
1: It's a hell of a story, man. And I love the process, the authenticity in which you have revealed yourself here. It's it's freaking awesome. I will. Um, I'm going to do you a, a, a few solids. I'm going to introduce you to some folks that have podcasts, and I think um, you're you're going to um, enjoy being connected with these folks. Um, I'm uh, going to um, talk to you offline and uh, give you some thoughts and ideas if you'd like me to. Yeah, I'd I'm love it. Um, I'd like to. I know you're in Europe, so it's probably not going to work right now because it's the middle of the night. But I, I, would like you to come on a men's group and just listen in. You know, we're, we're actually meeting tonight at seven thirty Eastern time,
0: which is kind of crazy for you because it's yeah, I was going to say when when, when when is your afternoon call?
1: Oh <laughs> hey, shit, dude, they're, they're all working. What can I tell you? Um, oh.
0: maybe,
1: maybe you and I need to create an afternoon call. Like you'll be you'll be my European man. Let's create yeah, a big, yeah, a arm of what we do. We should we should talk about that because men need us, man. They need us bad. And, um, I, uh, I think confessions of a former porn star is a great title for a fucking book about you, man. And, uh, it, it could really, it could really do some good things. Um, so definitely. And, you know, if you send me an address, I'll send you a couple of my books that are, uh, good books. I've written 10, uh and published 10. Um, I had the honor of having the first one become a New York Times bestseller just recently. Oh wow. So great. Not because of me, man. My co-author's famous. <laughs> That's all it was.
0: <laughs> no, but still, I mean, come it's on, great. 10 books. I mean, I've done two, and I don't think uh I don't think people like if they haven't written one, they don't understand just how long it takes, at least for me, each book start oh, to yeah. finish with two years. So 10? Holy. God, I me—that'd mean, be twenty One of years. My
1: superpowers, you know how your superpower is doing great things in the bedroom. My superpower is I'm good on air and I'm good writing books and I'm good in front of a stage. That's my thing. Mm. So you know, um, we're doing something next week, and 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 if you'd like to join us, I'd be happy to have you there as my guest. But I, I actually used ai to write the first draft of of a book not one of the 10 i published and mm-hmm. so i thought i, I want to teach this to some people it could be a good way to create some goodwill you know that always helps in business so yeah. we told folks come on in at the end of the the three-hour wor- uh, workshop you're going to have your first draft done we're not just going to tell you how to do it we're going to make you do it in the room yeah so, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah in if, person if
1: you're, if you're free I'll, I'll send you some details around that we'd love to have you there but The the truth of the matter is, what you do is super super cool. I want to. I'm going to go order your books. I think it's it's really great. And um,
0: well, give me the give me the address. I'll I'll send you my uh, my latest one because this one's not available yet. But you know that's the one that I just finished. So,
1: oh dude, will you? Will you? Yeah, absolutely. The tower of eating pussy, dude. That's awesome. I love it. I'll sign a few books for you. Will you sign a couple books for me? Because I love books. That'd be great. So, yeah, okay. let's do all that. Um, brother, so if folks want to, you know, buy your books, get on your one-on-one discovery call calendar, all that jazz, and want to learn how to be better at eating pussy, making their woman come, making her want to have sex with them more, what do they need to do?
0: Uh, they just go to uh, everhardacademy.com. That's my big project that I spent two years developing. It's an entire online basically educational platform for men. So I take guys through lecture material where I talk to them, you know, exactly how you and me are having a conversation right now. I break down my methods. I break down what they need to know. I break down everything from supplements, you know, mindset, overcoming ejaculation issues, um, you know, condoms. I break it all down. And then what else I do is I take them through, um, I take them through, live demonstration footage. So it's not safe for work, but it's done in a unique format because I'm doing it in a play-by-play fashion where I'm explaining exactly what I'm doing, why it's working, and how to do it. And then I bring it all together with homework for the guys so they can have a deeper experience of themselves and they can understand, okay, where is the chink in the armor, right? Like where where are things going wrong because a lot of times, guys will have the information, but they just don't know what it is. And if we sit there and we break down, okay, when this happens, how do you feel? When this happens, what are you doing? When this happens, what are you paying attention to? We can quickly ascertain, okay, what needs to change, right, so they can go to the next level. So yeah, they just go to Everheart Academy. It's a, it's a free trial, 14-day free trial, and so you know they can check it out, see what they think.
1: Well, brother, I'll tell you something. I'm in a relationship with a lovely woman, and um, I have a confession to make. When we uh, started dating 12 and a half years ago, our sex was mind-blowingly great. And over 12 and a half years, you know, there's a, there's a little saying we have, and I'm, this is not the case with me, but they say, um, you know that beautiful woman you see over there? That's a beautiful woman. That some dude is tired of fucking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's it's sad. I'm I'm not tired of, sweetie. I'm not <laughs> right. Absolutely not. In case she's listening or watching, but there does become a familiarity that creeps into relationships, and unfortunately, that same um, eagerness to be of service to your mm-hmm. partner. Both on her side and my side is not what it was. So I think I want to check out your 14 day trial for myself. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to talk to her and say, look, I, I could pick up a few pointers, man. <laughs> like, goddamn. Yeah. Well, because I'd, like, I'd like what's it's funny. Magical again, bro. You know what I mean? I'd like, it, I'd like her to feel that when she's coming to bed, she's going to have a great time. And I'd like myself to feel like I'm going to perform, I'm going to make my lady happy.
0: Mm hmm. No, and that's that's what it's all about, too. You know, like I talk often, uh, you know, I have a a section on sexual satisfaction. And, you know, I break down sexual satisfaction from the man's perspective in three different ways, right? Number one, and I always find this is actually the most important in a lot of ways. And it doesn't get talked about because it's not necessarily politically correct, which is sexual alignment, right? Because we have three things, sexual alignment, sexual chemistry, sexual compatibility and sexual alignment is biology. And this is something that I talk about at length, where I talk about the four different types of vaginas. And there is a combination of those that will simply, from a sensation-based perspective, and we're not talking the other levels of sex, because there's emotionality, there's mentality, there's spirituality. But from the pure sensations part, it matters, and it matters a lot, right? In terms of keeping us coming back to the dance because you know there's always like what you were saying there is a familiarity with long-term relationships so you can always say okay well you know i'm with somebody new and it's exciting but it's exciting for the newness and what the biology does is that strips away okay what's left after the newness because you can have a misalignment and the misalignment when you have that there's no amount of communication that ever fixes that so, we look at okay what's our sexual alignment? then we go, okay, what's our sexual chemistry you know, so that's energy, pheromones, vibrations, like how how is the woman expressing her sexuality through her personality right like how is that stuff coming out in the bedroom and it's almost sort of esoteric but it's like what's her aura, how does she smell, all these sorts of things that are Chemical, real sexual chemistry. And then sexual compatibility, which is, you know, wants, needs, and desires. And where does that line up? But that's the one that's the most malleable because you can exert some influence on that, you know, depending on how you are as a man. You can lead. You can say, hey, you know, hey, sweetheart, here's what we're going to try. I feel confident you're going to like it. Let's do it. You can push certain ways with the compatibility issue. But the alignment issue is the, is the top one. And that is, it's there or it's not. Right. All
1: right. So Eric, um, we need to do a second episode, bro. <laughs>
0: yes, we do.
1: This, man. Yeah, so yeah. this uh, is fascinating stuff. So I, I'm, I'm thinking the following, we're going to wrap up in a minute. Um, but this conversation is powerful. So if you're up for a part two, hundred uh, percent, this will be, Confessions of a former porn star, the Eric Everhart story, part one. <laughs> and then we'll have Confessions of a former porn star, the Eric Everhart story, part two. So Eric's backstory and Eric's, hey, this is how you win him back. Because, dude, this is next level shit. And by the way, if I were coaching you on the branding front, here's another thing I tell you get on business shows with men. Mm. 100%. Again, not just on men's shows, but business shows why would i say that because a man that is able to project sexual confidence will have that be picked up everywhere because Mm. what you are able to do as a man in being great with your woman in bed will translate into business sales you name it you
0: name it yeah it translates into your life
1: it does. So, in my opinion, if there are people who have some business shows, you'd be curious. I'd be pitching you from the point of view as, "Hey, dude, this is this guy's reinvented himself as a brand and as a business, and he's he's got a really powerful business he's created, and he can teach you lessons." So, I got a business podcast, and I'm thinking if I'd even interview you you a third time and bring you on there and talk about it from a branding point of view. Hey, how did you rebrand yourself, you know, and, and put yourself into this space? How can people take a life that they were in that, you know, it was a life that they were in and they get disillusioned with it. They want out, they want to get into a new life. How do they do that and create Mm. something powerful, but be able to draw from what they learned from that life. You've done that quite brilliantly with, you know, Everhart Academy. I, I, kudos to you now we got to help you like 10 100 fold your money but that's a different yeah let's do it Another let's time. do it <laughs> but this other stuff's really good so eric everhard man dude i feel like i made a new friend so uh, it's it's a beautiful thing god bless you man thanks for coming on the show
0: you're welcome thank you
1: yeah you bet. all right balu out thank you for listening to the sovereign man podcast If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.